As you can tell, this podcast, this podcast is being recorded as I'm on the road in one very shiny, brand new Land Rover Defender. Uh, this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. one and all well, I'm gonna start this podcast slightly differently to normal I'm gonna ask you right out of the gate uh, to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast I ask it in every single podcast but I always ask it at the end uh, and I don't know how many people actually get to the end of the podcasts uh, so in a change to my normal uh, method of doing this I'm gonna ask you right up front please do subscribe to this podcast if you like it uh, that way you will always get each and every shiny new episode while the paint is still wet probably uh, also please leave us a review podcasts uh, it's, it's great if we get pod, if we get good reviews more people find us if more people find us it gives us more energy and drive to keep recording them so if you enjoy the podcast please do leave us a review best place to do that is on iTunes or you can leave us a comment on uh, Podbean also of course you can leave comments uh, on the feed at masteringportraitphotography.com and also leave us a rating uh, iTunes is the best place for this you can leave us uh, one, two, three, four or five stars uh, however if you're leaving anything less than four stars please do email me and tell me why uh, and that way maybe uh, we can do our best uh, to improve things uh, one thing I have changed <coughs> oh, excuse me I swallowed a fly uh, one thing I have changed uh, for this particular podcast uh, is uh, we're recording this in a slightly different way. Now, uh, I'm a big fan, as people who know me will attest, of going to seminars and getting some training. If there's something I don't know how to do, if there's something I'm intrigued by, then, of course, I head away and get training. Uh, in this particular instance, though, a big shout goes out to a friend of ours called Neil, who is a sound recordist for Sky TV over here in the UK, amongst others. A brilliant guy, brilliant sound recordist. And I spent uh, a couple of hours with him talking about different ways of recording things. And he suggested, while I'm traveling in the Land Rover, a couple of ways of recording it, one of which we've been doing, which is to use uh, a lapel mic. Uh, but they, they have their own problems and the quality's okay, but it's not wonderful. And he suggested the use of a shotgun mic uh, attached carefully out of sight, but in the right place in the Land Rover. And that's precisely what we're trying today. This is the first time I've recorded on this particular mic. It's a Rode, for those of you, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you don't care. If those, for those of you who do care, this is a Rode NTG1. It's a pretty fine microphone. Uh, and uh, with a little bit of luck, the sound quality will reflect that little bit of extra effort uh, and uh, investment in a decent microphone. Anyway, uh, to the point of this particular podcast, this podcast really is all about the life of a photographer. Now, we've just, just come back from holiday. I spent a really lovely week with my in-laws uh, down in the south of Spain, the very uh, southeast tip of Spain um, just getting some sunshine really a little bit of an a little bit of R&R &R. uh, I don't tan so that's uh, before you all think I've come back a rich copper tone uh, that is uh, really not uh, something I'm capable of doing I am fair-skinned and so I spent most of it trying to avoid being out in the bright sunshine uh, but rested I certainly am and what a wonderful week it was and at the end of that trip myself Sarah and our son Jake headed north 
up to Toledo. Now I've heard about Toledo uh, really only because um, I have a curiosity about little bits of history and I'd heard about Toledo and I had heard about somewhere else I want to go to which I haven't been to yet, Granada. Um, but Toledo, uh, I knew that it was right, in, it's right slap bang in the middle of Spain. I didn't recall that it had, at one time was the capital city of Spain, uh, but it's an incredible place, a rich, rich, and I mean rich, tapestry of uh, cultures. Uh, strong, I mean, there's a whole Jewish quarter. There's a fantastic history of Moorish Islamic art and architecture, which is just splendid. And I really do mean splendid. Uh, and on uh, top of that, uh, it's got a really incredible uh, Roman Catholic, as you'd expect, uh, Catholic history. And so this city is this incredible hodgepodge of uh, old cultures uh, and old buildings and alleyways. And of course, because it's so hot though, it's 38 degrees while there. Now I know we have plenty of listeners in America who would laugh at the fact that I think 38 degrees is hot. Uh, but trust me, ladies and gentlemen, 38 degrees to a Brit is pretty warm. Uh, but I love the way the city had been designed to try and compensate for that, to try and uh, make sure that it was as cool as possible. So it's got these really narrow alleyways, quite tall buildings. So the cool air sits in these pockets. And also they have these things, they call them, uh, I think they, their word for it is patio, but not in the sense that we would use the word patio. This is like a square, a little tiny square in the middle of the buildings. They're built around these little courtyards. And again, the idea is that the cool air sinks down there. Um, and on top of that, if they... Uh, you have planting and things uh, that they keep the soil moist in plant pots and maybe a little patch of grass or something. Uh, then that also moistens the air and keeps the cool air down. And it really, really works. But a fascinating uh, city. Spent a few days there, which uh, was was just a highlight for me. I absolutely loved it. Not just because it's an incredible city, but because I got to spend a little bit of time in my family, which I always adore. Uh, so shame Harriet wasn't there, our daughter, uh, but she was just finishing her exams. She hopefully uh, will now be a sort of qualified uh, lawyer come the summer. Uh, and then we, after that, on our, on our way back home, we were flying back from Madrid and we had one of those debates, one of those family debates. What do we do? Do we have a lie-in, a lazy breakfast, uh, stick around uh, by the pool uh, and then go uh, drive a couple of hours up to Madrid to catch the flight? Or do we take the opportunity of seeing something we might not normally see? Well, it, the debate kind of, you know, meandered around. Uh, and in the end, uh, with, my, with my nans, my, I love my nan, she sadly long since passed, but uh, she had this saying, sleep is for the dead. <laughs> well, morbid, possibly, uh, but sleep is for the dead. And so uh, the vote in the end was, let's go do something because we can always catch some sleep on the plane. So we got up a little bit earlier than we would have done, drove to this place called Segovia. Now we'd seen in the documentation for this place that there was a Roman aqueduct and I was curious uh, because we'd heard from a historian in Toledo that originally Toledo's uh, water was supplied uh, by aqueducts. And so we thought, we, you know, if we get the chance, let's go see one. Well, trust me on this, nothing, nothing prepared us for just how amazing this Roman aqueduct was. I mean, it's it, it's a thousand years old, no, it's 2,000 years old, a couple of thousand years old, and it's still in pristine condition. It's as if they just built it. Now, I know some restoration had gone on, but it's kind of 12th century restoration because the aqueduct was still being used up until the late 
or the mid 1800s, the mid 19th century, uh, to transport water across the valley and into the walled part of the city. This place, if you get a chance to go, go, but don't do what we did and allow an hour there. Because uh, we thought it'd be a nice little thing to see. We thought we'd be done. We'd go catch our flight. No, no, we were anything but done. We ran from one end of the aqueduct to the other uh, and then hopped in a car and, and ran for a flight. Which is a real shame because I could have spent, I think, a day or two in Segovia because it's full of old churches and old um, buildings and places of interest. And unfortunately, we didn't allow enough time. Uh, but just wonderful. And then, obviously, on the way back from holiday, myself and Sarah, Jake by now had plugged into his headphones, which is what he always does, always plugs into his headphones. And uh, he uh, zoned out. So myself and Sarah were chatting about the week to come. And we always do this whenever we have a break we get a chance uh, to get away we'll always do what three things do we want to do when we get back I won't go into that list maybe I'll do that in another podcast but Sarah was asking me if I was looking forward to coming home and in my old world when I used to work in the city or I used to work as a consultant as a management consultant I think the answer to that would always have been no no I'm really 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 not looking forward uh, to going home. Not that I wasn't looking forward to being home, but I wasn't looking forward to getting back into the rhythm of that life. Whereas now with the job I do, portrait photography and wedding photography, um, I'm, yeah, of course I'm happy to be home. I'm excited to be home. I'm excited to get back to work. I'm excited to see our clients. And that's such a change. And it is, I was sitting thinking about it. And of course, it's, we don't do a normal job. This is not a normal nine to five. There is never a dull day. Every single day is different. Even if you've got the same client week in, week out, uh, it's always different. Yesterday, I was at the Hearing Dogs uh, all morning and it was a really different shoot to normal. It was brilliant, different people. Uh, Charlotte was there, we had just a door working with. And of course, uh, Ronnie, who is uh, my regular a representative from the comms team and we got on really really well so of course it was nice to catch up it's like old friends uh, and I absolutely love that and today today I'm driving back from Portsmouth it's <laughs> driving back I say driving back I'm sitting in stationary traffic it took me two hours to get down to Portsmouth and it's a Friday evening it's taken me oh what is it about three and a half hours now to get back and so I thought I'd record a podcast um, I'd had the sense fortunately uh, of grabbing a microphone and uh, the recorder so that I if it just in case this happened as it did uh, I could record a podcast but today today I've been working with a charity who provides supported living uh, for people with uh, various types uh, of learning difficulty I, I'm, I, I'm hoping I've got the right uh, the right terminology for that um, but uh, just the most incredible day and every time I work with this charity. It's, I, 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 I stayed behind afterwards for 10 minutes talking to my, to my client, the head of marketing for the company. And it's, it's, it's an inspiration to do this kind of work. My job as always is to create beautiful portraits, people laughing, well-lit, well-constructed images that hopefully will inspire other people to either donate to the charity or support the charity. Um, or work in this sector. That's basically my job. And actually part of what comes out of this in the process of doing this, I get to be truly inspired too, because of course I'm there, I'm working with the carers and the support workers 
um, and working with these incredibly funny, vibrant, just lovely uh, people. And I have laughed all day, pretty much. Uh, we didn't start shooting till 11, and by half past one, we'd finished. Um, and throughout that period, just laughing because these huge characters, very funny. Uh, not, I won't go into too much detail, um, but hopefully if you care to look at uh, some of the work that these charities do, you'll see the kind of imagery that um, uh, we create. And it was truly an inspiration. And of course, that's part of this thing is you get back out of it the joy that you put in. I'm, I'm, I clearly love what I'm doing. I love when I'm out with a camera. I love when I'm out with a client. And that energy and that enthusiasm, I think, comes back because other photographers I've met who have a similar sort of um, attitude to it bring out a similar sort of thing in their clients. With the energy you shine out gets reflected back at you. So not only do you get better pictures, uh, but you will have a better time doing it. And you can actually control that. This is something that it took me a long time to figure out, but you can control whether you are in a good mood or not. There are techniques for doing it. And I am not one of those people who's heavily into, you know, uh, NLP or uh, these sort of language things necessarily. But I am a big believer that if you have a positive, really positive mindset, then you too can draw yourself from whatever mood you're in, whether you're coming back from holiday or not, into just having the best time. And this sort of leads me on. I mean, you know what I'm like, all right? <laughs> you know what I'm like when I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing this unscripted and I'm sort of, I nearly said bombing along. I'm really not bombing along. I'm anything but bombing along. I am sort of just poodling along at a fairly slow pace uh, through the traffic of High Wycombe, uh, making up the podcast. Uh, I've got some notes in my head as to what I wanted to say. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I'm getting to. Because someone asked me if I could talk a little bit about how to deal with, uh, to use their words, difficult clients. And okay so let's let's think about this now of course i'm never going to sit here and say i've got a load of difficult clients i love my clients i just think they're amazing but i'm like every small business in that they come in all shapes and sizes we have um you know a range of clients from high-end professionals ceos mds doctors consultants footballers scientists business owners uh, rugby players, oh, the list goes on all the way through to, you know, the clients that I would have been had I gone to a photographer uh, back in the days uh, when myself and Sarah first had kids. And of course, what that means is there's a range of people's ability to spend money. And in, in my opinion, I think an awful lot of how we regard the client boils down to whether we've managed to make that job sell or not. And I think that's quite important. I think it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's a subtle thing, but when you're doing this for business, which we are, then everything in the end gets wrapped up in how much did you make from that shoot? How much margin did you manage to get 
from the work and the costs that you outlaid, the time, the frames, whatever it is. And I think when I'm talking to different photographers, when they talk about difficult clients, I, I, not all the time, but I think let's, let's I think 80% of the time, I've no, I've no idea, I've never measured it. I think the majority of the time, awkward, to, to us as photographers, an awkward client more or less boils down to whether they bought into the idea of what you were doing and then had the ability to make that investment financially. And notice that I'm choosing my words incredibly carefully here because let's, let's, let's deal with this that bit of it. Let's deal with the idea that it's almost certainly to do with somebody's ability to invest financially in the work that you've just done or the work that you're about to do or the work that you're pitching for. The tricky bit is that while as a photographer you might be disappointed that someone hasn't invested what you think they could have or should have, is you have nearly no visibility on that. You have no control over it and you don't always have visibility on it. In fact, rarely do you get visibility on it, unless you listen carefully uh, about you know, what people are saying. But for instance, in our studio during a reveal, um, if the client wishes, and, and usually when this is going on, the client really does wish for some privacy, we don't sit in there and listen to them, have a conversation about what they can afford. That's not something we do. I know some studios do, we don't. And so you have to sort of let it go. You have to love the client for who they are as you experienced them. You have to love the client for the moments you spent creating images with them. And you have to love the client for the pictures that came out of it. You have to, as a photographer, or else it can break your heart. If you dwell on those times when a client didn't have the ability to invest as you hope they would, you it, it can break your heart if you dwell on it, if you think it's something about you. And, and of course, as photographers, we internalize it. We always think it's, you know, it's, it's about the, the, the photographs. Oh my goodness, the photographs are awful. In the same way, I've, I've said to people a lot over the years, if you have a high sale, do not assume that's because your pictures were amazing. Why? Well, it's because if you have a low sale, if you always assume on a high sale it's about your pictures, then you have to assume the same for a low sale. And of course, that can't be further from the truth. It, there's no way of knowing whether a client can afford your services. Yeah, I suppose some people would tell you. And I suppose there are, you could pre-qualify them, you know, by looking at, I don't know, their car or their house or the region they live in or where their kids go to school. But you still have no visibility on whether they're in a position to be able to spend what cash they have on your services. And that's really important. So, so try really hard to look at the positives and try really hard when things don't go the way you'd like not to think about it. And I, I know that's counterintuitive. You're always thinking about your clients. You're always thinking about things you could improve. And of course, we, you know, we will always do a weekly review uh, or a monthly review. We always keep an eye on our clients. But if you're not careful, you can spend an inordinate amount of very unhappy time dwelling on probably you know a minority of one client a month where it hasn't gone quite the way you would have hoped now then there's the other type of client 
where they are just a large amount of work. They will spend well or they won't spend well, doesn't really matter. But the word difficult might be applied to the fact you've had to invest quite a lot of extra time into, I don't know, whatever it is, retouching, um, going through multiple uh, reveals if you uh, don't limit it to one reveal, etc. Um, but it's still my point stands is that you have to love your client in the same way that when they walk into your shoot, when they walk into your session, you have to love them. You just have to. They walk in and I'm hardwired this way. Can't help it. I like people. I will like people until they upset me. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I risk getting upset occasionally or get, risk getting disappointed or hurt. Um, when a client after, you know, after something I don't know turns out, not to be someone you should love. Uh, but I do, I love all of our clients. I think they're amazing. And I love them as they walk in because as a photographer, how am I gonna create amazing pictures if I don't really like them? How, how is that conversation gonna go? How's that hour or two hours in front of the camera gonna go? And so I always find something that I love, whether it's you know something about their work, something about their family, something about their character, something about the way they look something about their clothing, something about their kids, it doesn't matter. I am, as they walk in, I'm hardwired, I just do this. I'm trying to find things that I like about them. Um, and at the end of the session, I want them to have the best possible memories that I can possibly, possibly give them. So that when they do come back for the reveal, when they do come back to invest in the pictures that we've created for them, they're in the best frame of mind to do so. They've got these rich, happy, joyous memories. And um, that way, I've done everything that I can to limit the reasons why they would not invest in those pictures. And I've got it all the way down. Hopefully, I've got it all the way down to a simple thing. They just don't have the cash. They don't have the money to spend what I would like. And that is something that's so completely out of my control that I can happily let that one go. And I'll give you one really good example of this. I had a lady come in for a shoot and she's lovely. She came in with her two dogs, lovely shoot. She'd always wanted some big pictures of her dogs on the wall. Um, everything about the conversation was set correctly. We briefed really well. She knew the prices. She knew my work. She'd always wanted to come and have her dogs photographed by us took beautiful pictures, created beautiful pictures. The dogs were gorgeous. She was lovely, an amazing session. We emailed her, uh, uh, as we always do, to say, looking forward to having you back to the studio to come and see your pictures. And she emailed back to say, I'm so sorry, I've just been made redundant. Is it still worth me coming to the studio? I don't want to waste your time. Now there's there's the ultimate example of what I'm talking about. Not in her control, not in our control, nothing we can do. Now, I could have played hard line, I suppose, and said, well, you know, of, of course, I, you know, if you're not going to spend any money, then, um, then don't worry about it. But that's not the point. The point is that we've created beautiful pictures. We've had and made a wonderful experience with this person and I want her to come and finish that off. I want her to come and enjoy the photographs, enjoy the moment, and we will figure out something. We'll figure out something. Um, I knew that, 
you know, she told us that she'd been made redundant. She was really upset about it. We're really upset for her. And she came, and of course, she, um, I think she, she bought an extra print or two, an extra, uh, sorry, a, a desk frame or two. But, of course, in the end, you would have loved it to have been a huge sale. But I hope everything that we did sent her away with a smile, a great experience, great pictures. The pictures are beautiful. Her dogs were amazing. And it, we were in an unusual situation where we knew absolutely the reasons why that might not be a sale that was as big as our normal averages. We knew because she was honest with us and told us, and I respected and appreciated that. Normally our clients don't tell us what's going on because why would they? It's not my business. You know, they're not gonna tell me everything that's going on in their lives. Um, the kids have ripped their school trousers and you've got to spend another 60 quid on a pair of trousers or um, they've you know just found damp in the attic and they've got to have that repaired or, you know, subsidence in their home. I've no idea. I'm making these up. The car's crashed. Uh, one, a relative needs um, nursing care. I don't, I don't know, you know, but you get my gist. They're not going to tell me these things. Why would they? Why would I ask? I, you know, we have a really, really good personal relationship with our clients, but I still wouldn't ask questions like that. And so what I'm saying is, I guess, that for the vast majority of situations where when I hear a photographer use the word difficult, in my mind, I'm translating that as probably didn't spend as well as you would have liked or it's, you spent an inordinate amount of time trying to get them there. But at the end of the day, is that really such a big problem? And what we try to do in our studio as best we can, and, and we're human, all right? So, you know, if something doesn't go to plan, of course, we're going to wring our hands and, and mop our furrowed brows as to uh, why and what we could have done differently, et cetera, et cetera. But when you spend, when you dwell on it, what you're actually doing is dwelling on negativity in the business instead of focusing on what you should be, which is all of the positivity, the energy, the love, the joy, the happiness, the laughter, and the relationships that you will build. And even as a footnote to all of this, even when a client doesn't necessarily invest the way you'd like, if you treat them really well, you make sure that everything you can do is done and you continue to really find, you continue to find ways of loving that client is at some point in the future, it will come back to you. I can't guarantee that, of course I can't guarantee it, but in my experience, the more joy we put out there, the more joy we get back. And whenever we start to get negative in any way, shape or form, trust me, it bites us in the backside. So we are not, we are hardwired to be happy and joyous with every single one of our clients. And I suppose, <coughs> well, excuse me, and I suppose slightly weirdly, uh, I, it sounds like I'm tub thumping. I'm not a tub thumper really, uh, but I was asked the question and I've, uh, I had an hour to kill while I was driving home. So I'm sitting here now driving in a traffic queue through Princess Rizbeth and I'm hoping this roundabout ahead is the one that releases the traffic flow as all of the slow drivers can go a different route to me. Let's see, where's this driver going? You're going round, you're going round. Yes, you're going round. Look at me, I've got clear road ahead. I've got clear road ahead. The camper van in the, is just trying to turn in. No, you can stay. That's not a camper van, it's a chip van. Oh my goodness, I should have left the chip van in. Uh, so anyway, if you've enjoyed uh, my particular tub thump, 
uh, from the cab of my new Land Rover Defender with my new microphone uh, in place. And I'm really hoping, having invested all of this, I say invested, I'm pootling along in a car, I had nothing else to do. Uh, but having invested this time uh, in uh, recording the podcast, I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's useful. I hope you get some insight into... No, it's not just me. I, I say, I mean, I've worded all of this like it's me banging away. But of course, I talk to a huge number of very successful photographers. And if you could take a couple of things away from each of those conversations with them, one of the key things is always about positivity and energy and loving your client. So I'm hoping I'm speaking words of common sense. I'm hoping that it's something that uh, connects with you. And I'm hoping it's something that maybe puts your mind at rest not just that there are you can just have clients that you know are not going to be the big spenders necessarily but you can still enjoy that moment create beautiful pictures and in the end it's better to do that than to dwell on it and hopefully that's something that you can take away and apply immediately in everything you do Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast I'm going to say it again please do subscribe please do leave us reviews please do leave us some ratings. Uh, You can subscribe on uh, Podbean, which is uh, where we uh, store all of the the podcasts that go out to iTunes. You can subscribe using the iTunes podcast player, the Apple podcaster. You can subscribe in the Google one, I think. Um, Though I don't think we're yet on Google Play, it reminds me. I must go away and check to find out whether uh, podcasts are allowed on there yet from anywhere other than uh, the United States of America. For all my friends in the US, you have the privilege of being able to use Google Play for podcasts. We don't hear yet of being able to put podcasts up. Certainly nothing uh, that I've seen recently. Uh, We can also be found on Stitcher. We can be found on Radio Public. Um, And of course, if you fancy it, why not head across to masteringportraitphotography.com. It's free. It's free, ladies and gentlemen. We made it free. Uh, Why did we make it free? Because we're building it up. We're building up the videos. We're building up the articles. We are building up the audience. Uh, There's uh, the foundation section, which essentially is an addition to uh, the book. So it's got more detail in there. It has uh, got the, some lighting diagrams and bits and pieces in there. We do charge a one-off fee for that. That's 10 quid, 10 pounds, 10 of your beautiful English pounds. Uh, with the exchange rates uh, the way they are, that's probably about $10 or 10 euros. So it's not very expensive at all. Uh, we will eventually be charging for the site. Um, of course we will. Uh, the, int- the intention eventually will be to have content on there that you can buy, uh, some downloads, maybe some contracts, some documents, some uh, user guides, various bits and pieces, uh, because we will need we will need to make some money somehow. Uh, I've also got another podcast in the bag. Uh, I talked to Chris Coos, uh, Chris Coos, who is the head of training and technical for Hasselblad. A uh, fantastic guy, a lovely podcast. I've sent that back over uh, for Hasselblad's approval. Uh, I'm just waiting for them to come back to uh, let me release that. But these, this podcast, it may come out very quickly uh, after this particular podcast. But listen out for that. We've also got some amazing podcasts lined up uh, with business leaders, uh, trade leaders, and uh, other photographers. Very excited uh, to be doing all of that. I think I'm recording two more podcasts next week. Uh, so do head over to um, uh, the podcast on Master Portrait Photography. One final note, uh, I was thinking about this earlier. In every podcast now, every interview I do, I ask 
the interviewee for the recommendation of one book. Uh, I know, I know, uh, Mark Seymour gave me three. Uh, feel free, you know, I, I'm not going to stop them. But one book I can add to our virtual photographers library, which is a library, it's a fictitious library. And when I say it's fictitious, actually I'm adding books. Whenever someone recommends a book and I find it for just a few pounds second hand, I go and buy it. Um, and that way I too have a physical copy of the library and I'm reading an awful lot of these books. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, but we have a virtual library that we are building book by book. Uh, actually, if you fancy emailing in recommendations on books, feel free. Uh, the book I'm gonna recommend this week is a book called Hug Your Customers. I cannot for the life of me remember who it's by. I think it's by someone called Mitchell. Last name is Mitchell, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, but it's called Hug Your Customers. It's a book I read, oh, it must be 16 or 17 years ago. Uh, and it's a fantastic little book. It's not a hard read. It's a marketing book, really. It's about sales and marketing. Uh, it's by a guy who owns a uh, clothing store and it talks about the things he did to make his the best clothing store in the district it's a wonderful book it's a wonderful read and it's full of tiny little nuggets it's called hug your customers um, and if you're a professional photographer it's well worth uh, a couple of hours sitting with your head in it because uh, there are some truly great nuggets in there and on that happy note as i pull in through the lanes into our little village in the heart of England. Um, the sun is shining. Honestly, we live in the most beautiful country. I hope, I hope, depending when I get this published, I hope either you've had, uh, or if I get it out tonight, you're going to have an amazing weekend. Uh, tomorrow we're off to see the World Cup cricket in Cardiff, assuming it's not rained off. Um, England, I think, against Bangladesh. Very excited about that. Now, I know nothing about, I know nothing about cricket. Uh, uh, it's about, it's, I think there's, is there 11 people per team? Jake, my son's going to kill me for this. I think there's 11 people per team. There's a couple of guys with wooden bats, willow bats, uh, and one of the 11 who's out lobs a ball at one of the guys who's in until something happens and makes that guy out. That guy then goes out, another guy goes in. One of the people who's out then throws a ball until etc. etc. Uh, you've seen the tea towel. Uh, what I'm really excited about, actually, is for the first time in my life, I'm going to see a cricket match with Jake, our son, who really understands cricket, sat next to me, and with a little bit of luck and a little bit of persuasion, I'm hoping he's going to explain it to me because I don't understand it. And I know I know that's sacrilege to say. As a British person, I don't understand cricket, cricket, but I really don't understand cricket. Lots of subtle rules, lots of subtle little bits and pieces uh, that I'm hoping tomorrow that I will learn a little bit about. So like me, I hope you have the most wonderful weekend. I hope if you're out with a camera, you are creative, you are enjoying every second of it because this, this life is not a rehearsal. Uh, and I hope you have a good one. And remember, whatever else, be kind to yourself. Take care.